It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. My name is Tom Scarda. This is the place to come to learn about franchising. Whether you want to invest in a franchise, whether you want to turn your business into a franchise, sell a franchise, whatever it might be, all the information you need to know is here. Check out my website. It's thefranchiseacademy.com. And there you will see some books that I've written about franchising, some books about decision-making, which is important if you're investing in a franchise. Also, I just released a 45 video, 45 videos and an online learning course on how to buy a franchise, the A to Z's, everything you need to know. It's all on the franchiseacademy.com. So please check that out. Today, I'm excited because we have a guest in the house who is involved in one of my most favorite industries, which is dogs and pets. Um, today, we have Jason Parker, and he is the co-founder, along with his brother, of, and he's also the chief executive of franchising and a board member for the K9 Resorts. So this K9 Resorts has been around since 2005. Jason oversees development and operations. The cool thing about Jason is that he was recognized by Congress for outstanding and invaluable service to the community. He's also a renowned national speaker. If you're out there on the circuit, check out Jason. And I am honored to have you, Jason, on the Franchise Academy. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That was quite the introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. No, my pleasure. It's the first time I had a congressional, uh, what do we call it? Congressional, um, valuable community member, recognized person on the podcast. So fantastic. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, I wanted to have you on. You and your brother started this thing in 2005 called K9 Resorts. Give us a little background. What, what is a canine resort? Yeah, sure. So a canine resorts is a luxury award-winning five-star hotel for dogs. And we specialize in cage-free luxury boarding. We also offer doggy daycare. And what's interesting with our brand is every one of our facilities has outdoor areas. So uh, dogs are obviously encouraged to go outside to exercise and eliminate. Um, not every brand out there does it, but you get that with canine. Yeah. So it's boarding. Is it a uh, day like they have like daycare sometimes at these places? Do you do that? We do. So we offer uh, boarding, which is uh, for clients that either are traveling for business or for pleasure. Uh, we can do anything from one night to unlimited. So we've had people leave their dogs for 30 or 60 days at a time um, if they're traveling overseas or if they are having work done on their home, whatever the reason may be. Mm -hmm. We also offer doggy daycare and dogs can participate in daycare two ways. If they're boarding with us, they can go and participate in daycare. So they're um, kept busy throughout the day. Uh, or if a client just wants to drop off for the day, which we have many, many clients that do, they can drop off in the morning and then pick up at night. Their dog or dogs will run around all day, exercise, play with their friends. They're always supervised by staff members at Canine, and they have direct access to go to the outside area for exercise and elimination during good weather. Love that. Um, I've heard of people... Um, my wife being one, <laughs> who brings our pretty young dog 
to a daycare just so they burn off energy and they're not rambunctious at night. Do you see a lot of that too? Yeah, there's many different um, scenarios where a client will drop off their dog, a lot of young puppies. We want to let them uh, get well exercised, burn off that energy. Um, and it's very good for socialization, especially when dogs are young. You want to get them socialized, acclimated with other dogs so that they're used to that. Um, and then we have people that work long hours throughout the day, whether they're commuting here in New Jersey into New York City or different parts of the country, whatever the case may be, if they're going to be out of their house for eight to 12 hours a day, uh, while they're at work, they will drop their dogs off in the morning. Their dogs will run around, play, exercise, have fun, um, and then they'll pick them up on their way back from work. And the cool thing about that, Tom, is that uh, a lot of people may not have an opportunity to provide enough exercise for their dogs during the week because they spend a lot of time working. And this provides their these dogs with all that exercise. And a lot of times clients tell us, when they get home, they feed their dog. They literally just plop down on the couch, them and their dog, and that's it for the night. Yeah, and they watch uh, Animal Planet for a while and then go to sleep. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's great. Um, the thing that like really impressed me about the resort, because it's a resort. It's I'm going to call it like the Ritz-Carlton of boarding for dogs. I, I don't know if... You guys are okay with that? That's an accurate statement. Uh, newspapers have quoted us that all the time. So that mm. is very accurate. That's what it's like. And it's really um, a great place, well-supervised. You know, dogs are not just pets anymore, but they are family members. Uh, so people are very, very concerned about that. In a, in a canine um, resort, so there's a lot of people I talk to in my role as a franchise consultant that want to get into the dog industry because they love dogs and they want to get into a business where they're going to roll around with the dogs all day and make money. Is that a, is that a canine resort? It, it is. It is. I mean, we, we have, we're in a very great industry um, that has grown year over year for the last 10 years. So that's, you know, that's a good, that's a good thing. Um, and it's a fun business. There's not a lot of businesses out there that, people can really enjoy themselves, have fun, and make a really good living. And I think it's obviously important to say that, yes, we are able to, to, to roll around with the dogs and, uh, and have a good time. Uh, but like any other business, there's a lot of serious work that has to be done as well. Um, you have to be able to manage your staff, recruit recruit customers, uh, care for the dogs, keep everybody happy. But at the end of the day, when when you when you feel tired and you just want to put a smile on your face, you can pick any one of the hundred dogs that we have boarding with us at any time and uh, just enjoy yourself and have that one on one interaction. Oh, that's interesting. Um, great. So but you also need some kind of business acumen, right? I mean, you got to know how to run things. Um, well, we're going to teach you a lot. And remember, you know, with the Canine Resorts franchise, we just, to me, one of the most important things that, um, you know, characteristics that people need to bring to the table is a good attitude, a great attitude, and a willingness to work hard. 
And I think anything else we can really teach you. We've had lots of people come into the canine system that have never owned their own business. They may have been in corporate America. They may have been, um, we had a police officer come into the business that, um, you know, we, we, we knew throughout the community through the fundraising efforts that uh, Stephen and I have been part of over the years. And this gentleman said, I really love this business. I love dogs. I never had a dog because I worked 12 hour shifts in the police department four days in a row. And then with overtime, he's working six, seven, days a week and um he he invested into canine he opened in apex north carolina in 2019 he's happy he's making a great living he's actually looking to buy another location by looking to buy another location says it all i think in in regards to validation um of, of the concept so that's great um so if you are looking at getting into a canine resort do you need to have a kind of a dog background or training or veterinarian or what, what is, who makes good franchise owners for canine? Yeah. I mean, you, you, the good thing is, is you don't need to have any of that background. You do need to have a, uh, about $500,000 of capital saved and roughly a $2 million net worth. Um, But I don't like that to scare people because there's a lot of opportunities out there for people to come up with the $500,000 capital requirement. Um, We can look into your 401k and do a rollover IRA options, um, home equity lines. There's a a million different ways to kind of, to kind to get that capital. And we're really just looking for someone that wants to own their own business, that wants to be their own boss, that wants to go into a proven system and someone who wants that that help because Mm -hmm. we're going to help our franchise owners from start to finish. And it all begins with identifying a territory that can properly support a canine resorts franchise because we can't just put one of these anywhere. We have to look at the demographics, household income, population. So that's step one. Uh, Then step two, we're going to um, ask for an application from the candidate, Uh, take a look at their background, take a look at their Um, you know, their net worth, their capital, things like that. And then assuming all of that checks out, then we're going to start uh, introducing them to the brand. We're going to start explaining how the brand works, what we're looking for, take them through a really in-depth process. Uh, Assuming the candidate goes through the entire process, then uh, they will come on as a franchisee. We will award them a franchise. They'll pay the franchise fee and we will onboard them. Uh, We will then uh, help them find a site. We have in-house director of real estate. We partner with agents and brokers all throughout the United States. Um, We will help them through the zoning aspect of uh, that process. We will help them through construction, provide them with a ton of training, and then they'll open up and they'll be in business. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, the support is second to none. As as I looked at the concept myself, you guys are very hands-on and and it truly is a business with training wheels. That's how I look at, you know, good franchises. And, and you guys are definitely at the upper echelon of that. And And I just want to go back to the financing piece and, and just to kind of clarify for people who've never heard of this before, this 401k idea, a lot of people get real nervous when they hear that. And the fact of the matter is, is that you could use um, a 401k that you might have from a past employer, not the one that you're employed with now. And you could use that money tax-free and penalty-free to finance your business. The thing that's interesting is all you're doing is moving it from wherever you're invested and moving it into 
the um, into your investment. So you're really investing in yourself, right? I, I like to tell that to people all the time that get nervous. And I agree. People get nervous. They don't like to touch. They've been told they shouldn't touch. But this program has been around for decades. And if you find a business that you really feel good about, you've done all the research, especially a franchise like Canine Resorts, where we have an item 19. So you can see the historical performance of other franchises uh, in the canine system. You're, you're betting on yourself and you're investing in yourself. And if you believe in yourself, I think it's a good good way to finance the business. Right. I totally agree with that. And, and it's interesting because if you use your 401k money, it's your money. So now you're not paying an interest rate on it. And as you are making money in your business, you have to talk to your accountant about this. I'm not an accountant. I can't give uh, advice, but there's a way where as money is coming in, as you're building your business the first couple of years, you show that as not income, but as paying back seed money. So then there's there's some tax avoidance there, which is totally legal. Um, but it, I have to say probably around 90% of the people that buy franchises through me use the 401k rollover program. So uh, if you're listening to this, FranchiseAcademy.com, we have a whole page dedicated to this financing program. So check that out when you get a chance. The So how about staffing? Like these days, staffing is tough in any industry. How do, how do you guys handle it? Yeah, so I think it's like, like anything else, right? You just have to treat your staff right. And it sounds so much easier than it is, but that's why you have the backing of a franchise to help you through that. So for people who have never had staff, who have really never managed people, let us help you listen to the advice, follow the guidance. Um, yes, staffing is challenging right now. And I hear that from uh, my franchisees all throughout the country. Uh, and I see it at our company-owned resorts. But uh, we're here. We're able to do it. Um, we're able to get through it. And what I tell people in short is just treat people the way you want to be treated and treat them with dignity and respect. Give them an opportunity to grow and help them create that path. And if you do that, people will stick with the company. They'll believe in the mission and the vision and the growth plan that you've set aside for your business um, and just do the right thing. Jason, that's spot on. And um, I think in this particular industry, it might be a little bit easier to find people because people in you know, people who love dogs may not really, you know, they, they're looking for a job like this um, as opposed to waiting tables or something like that. So it's, it's really, um, I think it's easier in this industry to find employees and they stick around longer. And there is all that training to help with the retention. So that is a, a great thing to keep in mind as you're looking for a franchise out there is how is the franchisor helping you with staffing? And I think that just to add to that, Tom, if you look at what the staffing requirements are for a fully mature canine resorts location compared to any of, you know, let's just say a restaurant or a quick service um, restaurant, uh, we're we're a third of the staff on payroll for a similar volume type unit. So mm -hmm. that makes it easier in and of itself. We don't need to have dozens and dozens and dozens of people on payroll. We will help you open up with around a dozen and a half people. And then we will provide you with a staffing plan to help you grow that to maybe two dozen as the need is there. That's great. 
So cool. What's the square footage of a canine resort? So a typical resort is going to be seven to 9,000 square feet. Um, we've had franchisees go a little bit smaller. We've had franchisees go a little bit larger. And that's going to depend on, again, the exact demographics of where you're looking to open. But the good news is, is we're going to help you make that decision once you come on board. Absolutely. Is there, um, so you said there is real estate help and, and all of that. Do you have to? Do you help with like the permitting and, and getting, you know, spots that are close to where people live? 100%. So with our real estate process, we're going to first, as I mentioned, identify the market. After that, you're going to work with Brian and Kevin on our team uh, who have been working at Canine for years. Both have extensive experience in real estate and doing this for uh, other brands and this brand and for Canine Resorts. And so the first thing is we want to identify a property that we think is going to work out well. Uh, it's going to have easy access for the clients. It's going to be close to residential, but not too close because we are a full service resort. Dogs do bark a little bit uh, when they're outside, not not a terribly amount, uh, but they do bark. And um, so we want to be respect the, you know, the, the, the community. Um, so we want to be in certain areas where it, it's not going to cause any issues there. And we've learned that throughout the years of doing this. Um, then we're going to help you negotiate your lease or purchase with, uh, you know, with, with the person on the other side. We're going to help you through all of the permitting. We have contractors that you can use to bid out your job, or you can find your own. We're okay with either one. Um, and then you're going to get a ton of training. That's awesome. Great stuff. And so um, you mentioned corporate units. How many corporate units do you have? Right now, we have five that are open, one that's under construction. Uh, so by the end of the year, we should have six. And um, I think, you know, that really speaks volumes about our brand and our business. And it should make people looking to buy in feel very comfortable because we're putting our money where our mouth is. We're reinvesting into opening company-owned units, which a lot of franchisors out there don't do. Some of them do, uh, and a lot of them don't, uh, because we believe in the model. We believe in the unit-level economics. Um, we have all those unit-level economics in our item 19, and uh, we're going to continue to grow out the company-owned locations. Yeah, no question about it. And, and how many franchise owners are there now? Right now, we've got, well, I've got to think, there's probably about 55 to 60 owners that represent a little over 80 territories um, because a lot of our, probably maybe even 45 to 50 owners, because a lot of our franchise owners buy multiple territories. And then we even have uh, multiple franchisees who only bought single territories opened up. And now after they've experience the business for a couple of years are coming back and buying an additional unit. No, that's, and that's a great testimony right there in itself. That is awesome. Um, are there any specific territories that you're looking to fill right now? Like off the top of your head, we want to be in, we're looking for owners in this area or that area. So there are, there, um, the greater Chicago area, uh, we don't have anything there. We're really looking to uh, put some, some units there. We're also very interested in developing Massachusetts. Uh, the whole entire state is open. So the whole greater Boston area, there's opportunity for uh, several units there. And I think the biggest opportunity is California. So we have strategically not 
sold any units in California yet because we're really looking for people. We're looking for multi-unit in California and we're looking for people with business experience. So that's kind of a little bit different than all the other states. Uh, California is just a unique animal, no pun intended. And I think we really need to find the right people to develop there. Um, so when we find those right people, we'll award them territories and we'll let them flourish. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great that you do it strategically. That's such a big deal. People don't realize as the business grows how you need to do it strategically uh, in the franchise world. The um, I, I want to talk to you about um, a little bit more personal. Is there any myths that you could bust about franchising uh, or about the dog industry? Yeah, I mean, the dog industry, it's a great industry. It's, as I mentioned earlier, it continues to grow as of uh, end of 2021. $123 billion were spent on pets in the year of 2021, which is up from $103 billion with a B in 2020. And that's according to the American Pet Products Association. Um, the, the only, you know, the only the thing that I like to say about franchising, and this relates to any franchise, not just canine resorts, um, is follow the system. Mm -hmm. People ask me all the time when that when I meet them, when they come in for discovery day, you know, give me an idea, give me a reason why if I move forward with canine, how can I fail? I think it's a great question. Yeah. And I tell people, if you don't follow the system, you will probably fail. And that doesn't mean, well, I love the, I love the system. I love the brand. I'm going to follow 85 or 90%. You have to follow 100% of the system. And if you feel that something can be done better, we're always open to ideas and we will evaluate that idea with you, with the whole team. We'll make it a collaborative effort. But what I like to tell people is if you go to your favorite restaurant that you've been going to for 10 years, and they change 10% of those ingredients, won't you be able to tell that that dish tastes different? It's the same thing in business ownership and owning a franchise. We have a successful, proven model that has been tried over and over and over again, and it works. So follow the system. Everyone will be happy. We'll be happy. You'll be happy, and we'll grow together. Yeah. Well said. Follow the system. The second thing to do is follow the system. And then thirdly, follow the system. And and that's and I say the same thing. And that's how I had success in my own franchises. So so beautifully said. What's the best piece of business advice that you have re received in your career? I would say make sure a couple things. They're all related. It's all related to finance. Make sure you know what you're getting into understand the costs, have a little bit of a contingency put aside. And the number one most important advice, working capital, working capital, working capital. And I sound like a banker and I'm not a banker. Mm. I've never been in banking, but I've seen it and I've been around it enough. The number one reason why startup businesses fail is due to undercapitalization. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's expand upon that. Um, to me, the worst case scenario for anyone looking to get into business is doing a lot of research and finding a good successful business, buying into it, opening your business, getting to the point where you're almost at profitability, and then running out of working capital to bridge that gap. You have a successful business. It is successful. It's getting more successful. And you're almost at the point of cash flowing. 
and you can't continue because you don't have the proper working capital, any franchisor is going, any good franchisor is going to provide you with a range, a high and low of the proper working capital amount that you should have built into the startup cost of your business. And if you don't fall within that range, you're doing yourself and the brand a huge disservice. Right. And a lot of franchises won't even grant a franchise if you can't meet those numbers. Like you were talking about 500,000 liquid and 2 million net worth. You, you really can't negotiate that. It, I no. mean, it's there for a reason. And the other thing I like to pick up on is the fact that a lot of people say like, oh, you know what? I could start this franchise for a lot less if I just do it on my own. But what they're not thinking about is when you quote them the number to open the business, you're, you're including the working capital. And, and, and so people are like, oh, I could do this. Yeah, you could open it. For, it'll be the same price as opening it with the franchise, but you're not counting on that working capital. And then I also want to add, because it's so important and, and you're so right, it's the number one reason for failure. People don't think about what I call home capital, H-O-M-E. And that's the amount of money that you need to pay your bills at home as you're working towards making a profit in the business. There's no business that I know of where you make a profit in the first day, the first week, or even the first month. No. In many cases, it sometimes takes a year. We like to stay away from those businesses, but it, it does take time in a lot of cases. Um, you know, with, with a canine, there's a lot of investment, so it takes you time to build it. I get that. But still, it's a real thing that people need and use and and it's i don't think it's ever going away 100 so. percent. It's, it's not something that uh the internet can ever solve for you're not going to have robots coming in and, and taking care of your dog um you know the way that a dog walker or a pet sitter would you're always going to need a quality boarding and daycare facility to care for your dogs when you're not available mm -hmm. and going back to you know your earlier point about you know investing in a franchise you also have to realize even if you can build something the exact same way as a franchise location, which I doubt because we have special pricing and deals worked out with contractors and discounts. But even if you could, what you're not getting is the 20 plus years, especially in our case, of experience we have in pet care and in marketing. So if you look at the way that our canine resorts locations ramp up in the beginning, compared to you doing it on your own, it's night and day. Every time we open up a new resort, we learn something about marketing and we take that timeline from opening to profitability and we shorten it with every resort that we open. Yeah. And that is what you're missing. Not to mention the camaraderie and the family feeling of the franchise owners in the system. That's and the support something. and the networking. Right. The support, the networking. I'm sure you guys have a national convention every year where people get together coming and everybody up everybody shares their secrets about why they're successful because everyone is building equity in the same brand so they you know if you if you buy into a canine or or any other franchise out there that's you know outside of even the dog industry or the pet industry you're building equity because you want that brand to become a national brand name and then you know you don't have to really worry that much about you know the longevity of the business and you could even sell it for a lot more money if you decided to do that. In the I was just going to say brand equity, right? So as we grow, as you grow, and the brand grows, we all grow together. So by being part of Canine Resorts through a franchise, 
when you do eventually go to sell your business at some point, whether that's two, five, 10, 20 years down the road, your business should be worth more because it's associated with canine resorts. So when you go to sell, it's more valuable and you will make more on that sale because you're involved with an award-winning franchise. Yeah. Fantastic. Very well said. And, and it's, you know, I always say a job is like renting an apartment and owning a business is like owning a home. You could have the best apartment in the world, but if the landlord tells you you got to move, you're out and you got nothing to show for it. But in a home, it's tougher. You, you got to pay for it. You got to raise the money. You got to fix the roof if it leaks. If the boiler breaks, you know, it's on you. But you're building equity in that home. Hopefully, you're going to end up selling it for a lot more than you bought it for. And that is franchising or business really in general. And I love that analogy because in a canine resorts franchise, in addition to owning the business, you're also able, if you choose, to own the real estate. And that's a separate investment in and of itself um, that will grow. And at some point, you'll be able to sell either along with the business or separate from the business. Uh, so there's really two opportunities here. Amen to that. That is great. This is so cool, Jason. I really appreciate you being on the show. Just for parting words, anyone that's listening to the podcast and they're thinking about franchising and they don't know which direction or what to do, they're stuck like a deer in headlights, what advice would you give them? I would say do your homework. Uh, make sure that you're involved in an industry that keeps growing, an industry or a business that you think that would be fun and you would enjoy participating in day in and day out because at the end of the day, any business is going to be hard work. So you might as well do something that you're going to enjoy so that you can wake up with a smile every day uh, on your way to work. And really look at businesses, especially when you're in a franchise, you have such an opportunity to look into the historical financial performance of the business. And that's you know located in the item 19 of the FDD or the franchise disclosure document. Know what you're getting yourself into know what your costs are going to be, look at the return that you can expect, and make an educated decision. Well, great. And thank you for that. And I'll just mention that the franchise disclosure document is the Bible of the franchise. Every franchise in America needs to have one. That's mandated by the Federal Trade Commission, which oversees franchising. So franchising is heavily regulated by the government, which is a good thing. It protects the consumer. The FDD, for short, franchise disclosure document, actually uh, makes the company transparent and protects the buyer of the franchise. And if you wanted to, if you're listening to this, you could go to my website, thefranchiseacademy.com, and I have a cheat sheet on how to read an FDD. Uh, so check that out there. Jason, thanks for your time. It was great having you on the show, and I'm going to see you at a franchise conference somewhere in the country soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, my friend. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.